You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. Today we have an incredible guest, Mena Kanonico, and she helps people get to the root of their issues in a very unique way, and she has an amazing story, so stay with us. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today we have Mena Kanonico. Mena Hi, how are you? Good morning. Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Doing great. So Mena is the founder of Liberty Lane Retreats, and our theme today is the power of getting to the root. And the reason why we have Mena here today, she helps people get to the root of whatever their issues are in a very interesting way. And I wanted to share that with you. She's a certified facilitator of equine experiential learning. And I want to hear about how you got to become a certified facilitator. How did you get to where you are today? Well, it's been a long road and uh, it really started, the, the root of it started when uh, my family and I moved to Liberty Street, which was uh, when we lived on a 10 acre farm and the neighbors had horses and I immediately fell in love. I was six years old. And uh, eventually ended up just continuing to pester, pester, pester my parents until they finally brought home a horse for me. It was my dad, actually, who brought it home. Wow. Uh, her name was Lady. Uh, and everything was lovely until the moment that um, I was riding her and I was going up towards the road and there was a big tractor trailer that was coming by and she spooked and reared up. So on her hind legs, I'm thinking I'm going to come off. I managed to stay on. She reared up again. I did come off and she proceeded to run and hit a barbed wire. It wasn't fully barbed wire, but you know, the top row of barbed wire, she hit that fence, plopped over blood coming down her face. And in that moment, I felt completely powerless, abandoned, helpless, uh, just at a loss, really. It was wow. it, and even though I say I had this traumatic experience, I don't think I fully recognized how traumatic it really was for me. Um, but when ultimately, I said, "When you're six, not, when you're six, you're not going to recognize that." Oh, I was a teenager by now. Oh, was, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm so a you're teenager. a teen, and yeah. you're like, "This is something." Yeah, yeah, it's big. It's like you know, uh, and I love, I loved this horse, mm -hmm. uh, and I basically said, "That's it. I am never riding horses again." And not long after my parents split up, sold the farm, and I was away from horses for 24 years. Hey everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. Wow. So Life went on. I went to university. I got married. I had a kid. I got divorced. And I was in corporate in marketing for 16 years. And I got to a point, I think it was about 2004. And I thought, okay, 
this is not what I want to be doing. I was working long hours trying to prove myself because ultimately for my whole life, I believed that I was not good enough because I was a girl, which wow. I think many of us buy into that story. A lot of us buy into that until we don't, right? Right. Until we don't. So anyway, um, basically 2004, I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Because this is not it. And started getting curious and started asking questions, started reading books. And finally, I discovered life coaching. Mm -hmm. I went on that path and I went to an information, information session and immediately knew. My intuition was like, this is it. So I did my training. And then from there, they said, they said, you would be a really great candidate. This is the Coaches Training Institute for anyone who uh, might be curious. Uh, and they said, you would really be a great candidate for the leadership training program. Now that program is $10,000 US, 2005. And I, at the time, did not see myself as a leader at all. Um, and I just thought, oh, they're just probably saying that because they get some kind of kickback or whatever. That's where my level of self-esteem was. Mm -hmm. At any rate, I took that leadership program because I ended up getting packaged out of the job that I was at. And I, as much as I said, oh, that's great. It's $10,000. I don't have that. I was then somehow the money came through, through this package. So I did that and it's a 10, it was a 10 month program in California. And that was really the catalyst mm -hmm. for me for the courage to take a leap of faith and leave corporate. So that was nearly 16, uh, 17 years ago, almost. Wow. And yeah. And it was like, I, uh, I, oh my gosh, I was working so hard. It was a toxic environment and I would put an X on the calendar every day. I wanted to quit. Okay. And still your marketing job, right? This is my marketing job. This is yeah. 2006. Yeah. 2006. And, um, they loved me so much because I was such a hard worker. <laughs> uh, they created a new position for me because I was just covering a mat leave contract. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and I was really contemplating it and I was in that limbo place, which I'm sure a lot of people are right now uh -huh. thinking about, mm, and my soul felt like it was dying. And I just thought, okay, I got to, I got to do, I got to do something and, and, and torn because, you know, I got this big mortgage payment. I was living in downtown Toronto at Harbor front, like, you know, as far downtown as you can get. And finally my soul won. And I just said, okay, I'm going to go figure this out. And the leadership program, every time we went, they would ask us, what were you born at this time in history to do? And that's a, that's not a question you just answer like that. But I walked away from that program in front of a room of 20 people declaring while crying that I was born at this time in history to show people how to take off their masks and be real. Okay. Okay. So now horses are you nowhere. Then you to take off your mask. You had, to leave your job. you had to leave your job, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, this is what I'm here to do, but this is totally conflicting. So the discomfort of that was so much. And I just said, I got to go figure this out. So off I went and I started my first business, Dare to Be Real, coaching and consulting. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started work. I started going into schools and I was working with youth, boys and girls talking about being real and authentic. Um, and then as I was doing that, people along the way were like, do you have anything just for the girls? The girls are really struggling. And I was like, oh, hello. 
<laughs> I'm a girl and I've struggled with self-love and self-esteem pretty much my whole life. And so through that, I got connected to a 15-year-old girl in Florida. It was 2009. And she was there really. She told me she wanted to interview me. And I was like, I don't know why she wants to interview me, but she was really there to open my eyes to the fact that horses had these incredible gifts. So she said, horses saved my life. They help you get grounded. They help you get present. You get focused. You become a better leader, a better uh, partner, all these things. And at 15, she was doing clinics for kids who had ADHD and autism. Oh, and I'm that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm in my condo in Toronto, tears streaming down my face going, oh my gosh, how cool would it be to marry my love of horses, which had been dormant with my passion for helping girls and women with self-esteem. Wow. And, then, and then immediately, sorry, one problem. <laughs> I'm uh, terrified of horses because I oh, had- <laughs> I had never resolved that trauma. I just cut it off. The thing that I loved the, almost the most, I think at that time. And so I ended up hopping on a plane and going to meet Danielle Herb in Florida and her mother, Marianne. And I spent a week there and I started like terrified, like, oh my gosh, like this, um, to, you know, she had me riding in the dark. She had me riding backwards. She had me riding bareback in a bikini in a pond. And that began, awesome. that, that began my journey of overcoming my fear of horses. And then basically I ended up discovering the work that I'm doing not long after it was 2009. And immediately, again, it was kind of the same intuitive knowing as when I discovered the coaching. And then it was like, this is it. Even though I had the, my little ego voice and self-doubt saying, you can't, you can't communicate with horses. You're not, you know, I was in a group with these other women and they're all saying the horse said this and the horse said that. And I'm thinking and said out loud, I'm not hearing anything. Well, that's because I had such a block around it, but ultimately I made it my mission to overcome my fear and to incorporate horses into my business and in my life's work. It's really my calling. Uh, to help remind women of how incredibly powerful we are and how also uh, every single traumatic experience we've had can be, we can look at it differently and we can look for what's the treasure in that trauma. My destiny was formed in that moment when I came off my horse lady. That's awesome. So was she interviewing you to work with her or was she interviewing you because she wanted to work with you? I don't even know. Like it didn't make sense. It didn't really make sense at all. She, you know, cause it wasn't like it was a podcast or anything. This was, you know, back right. then. That's just before podcasts existed. It sounds like, sounds like spirit was talking through her. hundred percent. hundred percent. For that. hundred percent. Fabulous. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so move forward in time. So how did you get, how did you get your horses? Like, how did you like manifest getting your horses? And how did you pick the horses that were going to help or did yeah. they? Pick <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Well, let's see. Um, so first of all, as part of the journey of overcoming my fear, I ended up planning a, uh, it was a, I planned a five month traveling sabbatical, uh, which took me to the U S and uh, specifically Nevada, California, uh, New Mexico, Colorado. And 
I had planned this five month thing and I was also going to go to Australia, New Zealand and Fiji. And ultimately what happened was I fell in love with California. And so I ended up going back. I kept going back. I was meeting horse people there that were, I was learning a lot. I was also getting a lot of uh, soul lessons or lessons from my soul about becoming empowered and not giving my power away, um, which again is such a huge thing. And so everything I've gone through so that I can be a guide for other women who are struggling with the same thing. But anyway, I found a herd of horses there. And I had done a vision board and I had right in the middle of this vision board, this was 2013. I had right in the middle of the vision board, seven horses. And then seven horses showed up in a field in California and they had pretty much been neglected. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, this is the, this is it. This is the herd. Um, I met the owner and he told me that they were his wife's horses and he was sick. She had passed away from cancer. And there was an alcoholic on the property that wasn't really caring for those horses. So they were mm -hmm. really in rough shape. Mm -hmm. I made an agreement with him that I was going to take it on, take them on and find a place. Cause my goal, I, like I said, I fell in love with California. So I was like, I'm moving there. Um, and what happened was I was going to meet him the next day to sign, you know, sales of agreement. And he ended up dying. Whoa. And he didn't die. I shouldn't say he didn't die that day. He didn't show up, but he literally died just a few days later. It's then what do you, can you actually take horses from one place to another if you don't have a, like a bill of sale or a proof of ownership or something? Yeah, no. So basically oh. what happened was it's now. Just, I mean, that, it's just sad about him, of course, it, but yeah. wow, what, what happened? And I was just devastated. Of I was course. devastated because, you know, ego likes, likes it a certain way. Yes. So I was so disappointed. And I remember bawling and, oh my goodness, it was, it was so much. Anyway, I was in California. I had a visa and I was working on getting, you know, immigration visa and all that. Um, but the visa was coming up, the one that I had. So I ended up going up to uh, Vancouver to visit some family and when I came back down through, I guess it's Washington. Yeah, it's Washington. Yep. They wouldn't let me through at the border. And they what? said, yeah, they basically said, nope. Uh, they interrogated me for like an hour. Now, here's the, what's really cool is that I have had, like I'm sure many people listening, I've had uh, interesting challenges with authority. So huh. I've had a pattern with the border patrol people. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, an hour and a half, then they're like, you can't come through unless you have the visa in your hand or you've been working in Canada for at least six months. Otherwise, we will ban you for life. Was so, it the Canadians or the Americans? This is the American side. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so I was pretty devastated. And of course, fast forward. Um, <laughs> The reason why that happened was because my herd was waiting for me here. Oh. So for anybody who struggles with disappointment, just know that your soul knows the way. And ultimately, it was 2014 when I met the first horse, my heart horse, Shiloh. And immediately I started crying the first time I saw him, the second time and the third time. And it was like my heart just exploded. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you are powerful. Now he belonged to another woman at the time and she had, I don't know, 26, 28 horses on the property. And I found out about her through another young woman. 
And she said, listen, this, this woman's got all these horses. And uh, so you could do work here. Uh, so I met with the woman and she was, I think, 86 or something at the time in a wheelchair on her own. And uh, so I came in and I was like, okay, can I work with your team and I'll pay you to use the facility. And so that's what I was doing. So he was the first one that I ended up buying, which was April, 2015, April, 2015. And he was the catalyst because once I purchased him, then two more came June 1st, and they were both uh, half an hour from each other, both Arabians, both the former rescues, rescued twice. And then immediately after that, I was at, uh, I went to a, a place called Whispering Hearts Horse Rescue, and they had 60 something horses. And I literally said, I'm on my way there driving, and I don't have a place. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just starting to meet horses. But uh -huh. it happened so fast. So from April 19th to July 1st is when it happened. But anyway, I went to this Whispering Hearts place and I said, just, you know, all right, guys, whoever wants to come and do this work with me, make it really clear. Like make oh. it so that, so that yep. there's no mistaking that you're to come with me. So that's how it happened. So I identified four and then when I actually told her, which the woman who or that ran the rescue, I said, uh, these are the four. And she's like, oh, you can't have that one. Like, so I had two were siblings, Shaman and his brother, Little Bear. And Little Bear had been adopted by somebody else, another colleague of mine. And so then I was like, OK, well, I need I need two boys and two girls. So who else do you got? And there was one with two blue eyes. And he was the one that came and his name at the time was uh dozer and i just said oh no we are mm -hmm. we're gonna have to come up with a new name for you because with two blue eyes i don't know how much you know about horses but blue eyes are pretty rare remarkable thing so then you know oh my gosh what am i gonna name him and then when i went to sign the adoption papers his official name was dozer's shadows dream and i was like that's it his name is dream because ultimately this was a big dream for me. This was like, uh -huh. how do I leave corporate and how do I do work that brings me meaning and fulfillment? And, right. and then this bonus surprise of, oh my gosh, my work revolves around horses and the gifts that they have to offer us. Okay. So, so this incredible story is a series of like intuition, synchronicity, listening, um, you know, connecting with the universe, trusting, trusting. Trusting, all that stuff. So yep. we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you, this is where you've got you. Now you've got your herd. you got your herd of seven, I think it is, right? Did I get that yes. right? Yep. And then we're going to talk about how you work with people. And then we're going to give our listeners some tips for getting to the root. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage, we have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group. That's Hubbard Education Group. Or 
go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And we are back. Hi, Mena. Thanks for being Hello. here again. Hi, Ariel. Thanks so much. <laughs> okay, so Mena is with us. Excuse me. So Mena is with us from Liberty Lane Retreats. She's the founder and the creator, and she works to help people get to the root of their emotional, and I'd say, dare say, spiritual issues, maybe mental too sometimes, with horses. So can you tell us how you work with people to help them connect with the horses and then how they work with those issues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, essentially what we're doing is for, for anybody who doesn't know about horses, once you're actually in the presence of horses, they have these massive hearts and then their whole energy field is all about, I mean, what they're doing is helping us to come back to uh, regulating our own central nervous system. Okay. And they're also helping us because they are so, they're so powerful. Like it's hard, it's so hard to describe. It's like, I always say it's something that needs to be experienced, but ultimately what happens is people are able to make the trip from their heads into their hearts. And that's partly, like I said, as soon as I saw Shiloh, for example, it was like, right. And so what's happening is we're so often ruled by what's happening in our minds it takes a lot sometimes for us to come with, to come inside. So that's happening with the horses. And then on some level, they know uh, their level of consciousness is way beyond what most people are aware of. And so for example, and let me see, how can I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to use an actual example of somebody who just came to meet the horses at an event I had one time and dream dream. I'll use the example of dream. Um, so they, I basically in these eight years that we've been together now, we've developed a language so that I can kind of help tune into what's going on with somebody. Because a lot of times, you know, typically when people go to therapy, you get to choose what you're going to share about. And many times people have the illusion of shame in the way so that they're not sharing. Anyway, he's meeting dream and it's like this love fest. It's like magnetism and dream starts yawning. And I said, okay, so I'm interpreting what's happening. I said, when he yawns, when they yawn, they're releasing energy or frustration or tension that we might be holding within our bodies. I said, have you been stressed out lately? He's like, oh yeah. And then dream starts pawing at the ground. And I said, okay, so that's his way of letting me know. It's not just a little bit of stress. You've been really stressed out. And he's like, Uh, yeah, I just got out of the hospital. I was in the hospital for five days. Wow. I I said, wow. I said, are you going to be okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And then dream did something that uh, he has never done before. And don't be alarmed. But what he did was he bit this gentleman's hand. Now it wasn't a you know, I'm attacking you. And it wasn't this cute little nibble, but it was somewhere in between. And, and is and that the you're lying cue? <laughs> you're be fine. And he says that the you're lying, chomp. He's like, yeah. chomp. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, like what, what is that about? Right. And right? I said, right. I said to him, um, did you I, I got the hit? And I just said, 
did you just try hurting yourself? And he said, oh my gosh, that's astounding. Uh I was in the hospital because I just tried committing suicide. Uh Uh-huh. So it was a, it was a, um, letting him know, like, Hey, well, letting me know. And, uh, you know, and so, so then it was a love fest, you know, and had I, if I were to work with him, if I were to continue to work with him, which by the way, I got reconnected with him just a few months ago and dream came to him in a dream. Ah, yeah. And said, he need, he goes, I need to come back. So, but anyway, um, so what I would do there. So I, I mentioned, I have a four-step process. It's called free. So I'm, the F is for find. So I'm finding, I'm looking for where, what's the story that you bought into as early as possible that you can come to. Now, sometimes people don't remember. And mm-hmm. I call on the subconscious. And it's the horses kind of who helped me to find it. So it's like, we're working to, we're basically joining forces to get to the root, to find where did you buy into that belief? And from then we're looking at, okay, what was really going on? Because at four or five or whatever age you're buying into, because you don't have the capacity to understand. So you're forming an opinion. And then that opinion drives you for the rest of your life, unless you have enough and you're like, I need to go figure this out. Okay. So basically we're looking to find the thing. Then the R is for reframing and releasing it because only when we can see, oh, wow. Okay. First of all, first of all, it's hardly ever true. The, the lie that we've bought into, and then we're going to reframe it and see what was the benefit or why, why did we need to have on a soul level? Why did our soul want us to have that experience? Mm. Okay. And then we can release it. If we're done with it, if we're not done with it, then there's other little hooks and angles. And from there, you can start to have a new experience, the first E. And with the horses. So for example, again, I was terrified of horses. I do a lot of work with people who are afraid of horses. And what I've learned is most people, many women are, have this fascination and this draw towards them, but they're afraid of them because they're so big and so powerful. Mm. And what I say is coming from that place myself, if you're afraid of horses, most often it's because you're afraid of your own power or you haven't connected to it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking about where, uh, where I was going with that. Okay. So you got free, right? So you oh, got yes. find, yeah. you got the release and then you got the E the first E is experience, right? So so let's say I'm terrified of horses, or I have somebody who's terrified of horses or afraid, then I'm going to invite them to do something that's just a little bit beyond the comfort zone, just like Danielle did with me, right? Uh Can you reach out and touch? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then I remember working with one woman, I had a horse, Nikki, who passed a while ago, a couple of years ago, and she was big, like really big. So she was, (laughs) she was like a gentle giant. But at first glance, if you're afraid of horses, you're like, oh, and so in working with her, she ended up being so afraid, but within the span of a session, ended up hugging that horse and realizing uh-huh. what she was missing, what we miss out on because of fear. Yeah. Yeah. So she had a whole new experience around that. And then that's the last that's ease, profound. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the last E is for expansion. So then you're now you're more expanded, you're living life more expanded. And then we're repeating the cycle because it's, we're ever evolving. 
which could be another E free. free. Uh, so yeah. So then we just keep looking. So if somebody's coming, for example, for a one day retreat or a two day retreat, I'm looking, we are looking to find, and they might come to me saying, this is what, you know, this is how I'm feeling, you know, lost, confused, stuck, frustrated, all the things. And then I'm having a conversation, starts with a conversation, what's going on. And I'm having done this for so many years, I'm looking for the language, which are the cues and the patterns and where they're holding on to victim mentality so -hmm. that I can help them again, let go of that, reframe that and shift them out so that they can come home to the truth of how amazing and powerful they are. Right on. So, so when, when we're talking about getting to the root, you're helping them see what, what the originating thoughts or beliefs are behind the things that they're experiencing in the present time, usually from the past. Yes. And then you're helping them release that. And then you're helping them step into their power and then helping them release victim mentality. You've also mentioned in a prior conversation we had, you help them release imposter syndrome. And in some cases, you help them start to address addiction, which is amazing. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to go into that. but. What I would say is if you had uh, some tips for people with imposter syndrome, what would those be before we go? I'd love to hear what you would want to say to people with imposter syndrome, because it comes up for a lot of people. Absolutely. And for myself too, really, I mean, none of us are immune to it. And it's, you know, I always say I'm, I'm still evolving in this work as much as I, at the beginning, when I started 2009, I remember saying to one of my coaches who I still work with today, um, I said, okay, when are we going to be done? Like, you know, and she's like, you might as well let go of that idea because the more work you can do on yourself, the more people you're going to be able to help become empowered. So, um, so tips, I would say this, first of all, if you're, first of all, imposter syndrome is really kind of an illusion. Any, any, uh, anytime we're feeling fear, it's an illusion of the ego mind, right? So there's no syndrome per se. So right away, you can start to give it less power, right? Um, I, I also, this is what a, one of the first things I teach people, regardless of uh, who they are and when they're coming. I teach people how to identify the ego voice. So we've got two voices typically happening. And what happens is we give all the power, usually, or most of the power to this one. Because it's the loudest. That's the ego. Yep. That's the ego. So by giving people a visual structure, I usually have my little angel. I'm not sure where she is right now. Um, But by giving people the understanding and sharing, there's two voices. What happens is it all becomes mixed up and then we get confused. And that's where we feel powerless. The power comes in being able to discern, stop and say, wait a second, which voice is talking right now. Which voice am I giving power to and listening to right now? Right? So imposter syndrome is going to say, oh my gosh, what are they going to think? Which is my gosh, like the biggest thing, even to this day (laughs) that I still worry about, what are they going to think? Well, the only boy, the only version of us or part of us that cares about what other people think. That's the ego for sure. Only only the ego. So my recommendation and my tip for people is if you're struggling with imposter syndrome or anything for that matter, write it down, write it down and see if you can say, okay, what is the ego voice saying? Because once it's down on paper, it gets a little, it gets less power. Then you can really look at it and go, okay, so 
What are they going to think? Okay, well, what if they judge me? Okay, so what? So what if they judge you? Okay, well, what if it doesn't come out perfect? Well, so what? Who in this world is perfect? Right. And also, if someone's judging you, that's coming, they're projecting their own judgments onto you anyway. That's their own conversation about themselves anyway when they're judging us. <laughs> right. And it's really just an indication. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. and, and here's the thing when we love ourselves, this is the work learning to love ourselves unconditionally, where no matter what anybody says, does, thinks, it doesn't matter. It's that's so true. That's the work that I've been doing for since 2009. And that's the root right there. That's the root. That's the root. Of, of, if you want to shift like out of all these other negative spaces and into the space of like um, real power, that's it right there. Unconditional love, unconditional love for yourself and ideally for other people whenever you can manage it. <laughs> well, but, but, and that's an illusion too, because when you love yourself, so this work allows us to get True. neutral. Yep. And so then when we're neutral and we recognize we're, we're so amazing and we don't get taught this, any of this, right? So when we understand, wow, I'm amazing and I have a purpose here on the planet and I'm contributing to the whole. And if somebody doesn't like me, oh, well, you know, we're not going to expect, we can't expect everybody in the world to like us, you know, not everybody's going to be wanting to do this work with me. And, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't matter. All I'm looking for is, can you get so cool and in alignment with who you are that nothing else matters? Nothing mm -hmm. else matters. That's the thing. And so writing it down, first of all, understanding that there's two voices and then diffusing the power of the ego by writing it down, looking at it and really just questioning it and, and then being able to release it and say, okay, well, do I need to hold on to this illusion that I need other people's approval or- yeah. You know, that something's good, something bad is going to happen to me. I remember one of my mentors, he, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago as well. I remember watching, uh, cause again, I've struggled with visibility myself. And I remember watching a spiritual teacher who launched something out into the world and, oh my gosh, the backlash. And I, and so I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. I can't go out there. Like, what if that happens? Right. And so we're, we, our souls will only guide us to the experiences that we need. So that's also a, a big tip to take on another root truth too. Right. Because a lot of people think, oh, this happened to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my experience with the horse or, you know, any of the other traumatic experiences that I've had in my life, we think it happened to us mm -hmm. instead. If we can reframe it and say, okay, why did my soul want this to happen for me? What are the benefits? We're taking the blinders off, so to speak, expanding the perspective and saying, okay, maybe that happened, you know, because I need to learn something else about caring what people think. Yeah. Right. Or maybe I needed to understand that there's no such thing as someone actually attacking you. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. So for our listeners, um, you know, some, some gems have been presented today <laughs> and incredible wisdom. So Mena, how can people reach you if they want to work with you? How can they reach you? Well, if you like, you can visit, first of all, my social media, you can go to Instagram, Mena and the Freedom Herd. 
uh, Facebook, I'm at Liberty Lane Retreats. And you can also go to my website. I do uh, complimentary uh, discovery calls for anybody who's interested in learning more and seeing if we might be a good fit. I offer, uh, oh, my website is libertylaneretreats.com. And again, you can book a discovery call there and, uh, and determine if a private retreat might be right for you. That's fantastic. I'm also putting all this in the show notes. If you guys need to check that out, you can. And I want to thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, and like your incredible story. Wow. Unbelievable. But not really, because when people are on a spiritual path, amazing things happen. So, so yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty consistent with some, some like a, a person who is working through and walking their path. So I want to thank you. I really do appreciate you. And I want to thank our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to move with your power and into your magnificence and have a great time until next time. And thank you again, Meta. Thank you, Ariel. I really appreciate it. You bet. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks. Are you suffering from OIS or over it syndrome? OIS commonly affects parents, spouses, executives, and employees alike. Hubbard Health Solutions can reduce symptoms of OIS, such as stress, pain, unease, lethargy, and a general desire to escape. Ariel Hubbard, licensed massage therapist, customizes a treatment plan that addresses these symptoms and will transform you and your body so you feel human again. Contact Ariel by texting 971-319-2618 or go to arielhubbard.com to learn more about Hubbard Health Solutions. That's Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, Hubbard with an A, dot com.